This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. This episode is about overcoming overeating, overweight, and obesity by nourishing yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, and socially each time you eat. Valeria Tellis interviews Deborah Keston, who explains how the Whole Person Integrative Eating Dietary Lifestyle, WPIE, can help you transform your relationship with food and eating and in turn help you attain and maintain weight loss. The Whole Person Integrative Eating Dietary Lifestyle is about discovering what to eat to attain and maintain weight loss, but also how to eat based on ancient food wisdom and insights from modern nutritional science with positive feelings, mindfulness, gratitude, loving regard, and social connection. Deborah will tell you about some studies that have revealed these more invisible ingredients of the program may be more powerful determinants of your weight and well-being than what you eat. Physically, the dietary lifestyle we tell you about in whole person integrative eating can help you choose optimal foods so you can begin to lose weight. Emotionally, it can help you to maintain and release negative emotions such as anxiety and anger when you eat. And instead, enjoy food filled with positive feelings such as contentment and joy. Spiritually, it can help you to connect to your inner self by relating to food with mindfulness, gratitude, and love. And socially, it can help you to rediscover the healing power of dining with others as often as possible. Deborah Keston, MPH, is an international nutritional researcher, award-winning author, and medical and health writer with a specialty in preventing and reversing obesity and heart disease. Author of the award-winning Feeding the Body, Nourishing the Soul and The Healing Secrets of Food, Deborah currently is a VIP contributor to ThriveGlobal.com. Her new book is Whole Person Integrative Eating, a breakthrough dietary lifestyle to treat the root causes of overeating, overweight, and obesity. Here is the interview with Deborah Keston. In your own words, who is Deborah Kasten? A interesting question. <laughs> I am a human being who has the gift of life, as all you, your listeners do. And my life's passion seems to be to help people have a optimal, satisfying, positive, enjoyable, sensual relationship to food and eating and wait. Wow, how wonderful. Thank you. Before I begin asking you questions about your book, Whole Person Integrative Eating, I have a few warm-up questions, I call them. The first one is, what is life to you? Life to me is a mysterious gift. Life to me is magical. Albert Einstein commented, you either think everything is a miracle or you think nothing is a miracle. And I am in the half that thinks everything is a miracle. And I have a deep appreciation 
for the mystery of life, for the gift of life, and all of our senses that we can see and smell and hear and talk and communicate and that what is communication that's stunning that you understand me and i understand you and and that we have been given the gift of love and the ability to feel it and share it and give it and to have relationships with people based on love yeah wow and speaking of love what is love <laughs> if I knew that, I I might be Albert Einstein reincarnated. Um, but uh, how would I answer that? What is love? I think it is one of our many emotions, and it is also the essence of life. Uh, there have been studies about children who are not given love by their parents, and the term is failure to thrive. Love is life, love, and it is a profound mystery and gift that we have love and the experience of love and that it seems to nourish us internally and externally in our relationships. It is the mystery of life, the essence of life. Wow. Yeah, the mystery. Um, What is your greatest joy? My greatest joy is one simply having the gift of life and being alive and to my relationship and love with my husband, who happens to be the co-author of Whole Person Integrative Eating, and eating meals with Larry, my husband, every day. Oh, wow. What do you think is the world's greatest need? It sounds trite, but love to <laughs> each human being to take advantage of the mystery of love, that we can feel emotions, that is stunning to me, and it makes my heart smile, and that we can feel one of the essence and core feelings we feel is love. And my greatest wish is that each person would fill themselves with love more often than not, 24-7, if you are, are Gandhi. And to share that love with every human being that you meet and know. Wow. You speak of love yeah, over and over. That is so wonderful. And it's so true. It resonates with my entire being. Um, the idea, ideal um, of love. And that's interesting because I ask this question often. What is love? And I never heard any definition that is not loving. <laughs> Or positive. My next question is about spirituality. Since we're talking about love, do you connect love to the idea of God and being spiritual? Yes, I do, because I think that love is spirituality. And I I have taught about whole person integrative eating, which is includes what I call spiritual nutrition. And I would ask the students. Well, what does spirituality mean to you? Dead silence, and they're staring. And to me, it's connected with the essence of the meaning of yoga, which means union. And so what is that union? What does that mean? And to me, it means that we human beings who contain the mystery of life are connecting with the mystery of life, every element of life outside of our body. I often ask uh, this question too, is there a difference? Do you see any difference between being spiritual and being religious? Yes, it can be. Uh, It can be a big difference or it may not depending on the individual. I think many world religions such as Judaism and Islam and Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, although Buddhism is often called a philosophy, I think world religions offer guidelines on how to live and that spirituality is a connection with the mystery of life, including your own mystery of life and the mystery of life outside of you and the mystery of the elements of breathing and air and earth and light and the elements and how they 
nourish us and keep us alive, this interconnection. So a person who follows a particular religion may be very comfortable with the guidelines only, or they may, in addition to the guidelines, have a more spiritual relationship to the world. It depends on the individual. Yeah, and the interpretation, right? So true. Um, What is well-being to you? Well-being includes, in my way of thinking, having balance. I use the, the word balance instead of healing, or I use the two of them together. To me, it mean, well-being means balanced in your physical health, balanced in your emotions, balanced in your spiritual well-being and your sense of unity and connection with others and the universe and life, and also balance socially with other people and relationship, including relationship to, you use the word God, creator, source, whatever the mystery of life is. I never heard it uh, this way before, this connection between balance and healing. This is the first time it's interesting to me to hear that. Um, So I'm wondering if it is possible to be balanced all the time oh i think if you're <laughs> if god or gandhi it is <laughs> <laughs> right if you make that a practice perhaps Deepak chopra and oprah winfrey <laughs> i think many people are are there so i do think it is possible yes <laughs> uh, my last question warm-up question what do you think the purpose of life is love love to fill yourself with love and to take that loving consciousness which, with which you live and use it to connect with other people and be of service to humanity on a one-on-one level or a group level or a universal level. Yeah, yeah. It goes back to love. I, I believe so, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I agree 100%. So let's talk about um, food, eating, weight loss. That's the topic of your book, uh, Whole Person Integrative Eating. And my first question is, why do most of us choose to eat certain foods that are not healthy for us? I think it's what we've learned that, uh, let me just give you context. I have researched ancient world religions, such as Judaism, Hinduism, uh, Christianity, and uh, Islam, Buddhism, and Eastern healing systems, which includes India's Ayurvedic medicine and Tibetan medicine and also traditional Chinese medicine, and also what I call cultural traditions, which include yogic nutrition, African-American soul food, for example, the Mediterranean diet. And I put all this information together in terms of are there consistent themes and perennial principles that these ancient food wisdom systems uh, have to tell us. Because prior to the evolution of nutritional science in the 20th century, it's only about 100 years old, humankind turned to Eastern healing systems, world religions for guidelines about what and how to eat. But to answer your question, I would like to come back to the first step in whole person integrative eating. And that is, it started with love, the comment about love. Our co-author, Larry Sherwitz, who's also my husband, and he's a behavioral scientist and research scientist. Larry was invited to present at the first international conference on lifestyle and health in New Delhi, India. And he was invited to present this because Dean Ornish, MD's uh, Lifestyle Heart Disease Reversal Program is based on the yogic lifestyle, which is 5,000 years old, older than India's Ayurvedic medicine. And what Larry was Dean's director of research for almost 20 years. And what they discovered is with this yogic lifestyle, which includes a no-fat added plant-based diet, managing stress with yoga and meditation, and also exercise, physical movement, and social connection and support. You can actually halt and reverse heart disease, the build-up build up of calcification 
plaque in your arteries with these lifestyle changes alone without drugs or surgery. So Larry was invited to present and I he wanted me to see the top of the hall. We're back to love. <laughs> yeah. And I used to write for magazines. I wanted to write an article on yoga and diet. And one of the presenters at the conference was Dr. K.L. Chopra, a clinical cardiologist who is the father and mentor of Deepak Chopra. And I'm sure your listeners are familiar with him. And the first question, I knew nothing at the time, really. And I, the first question was open-ended. And I asked about yoga and diet. And what he said changed my life completely and started me on what I call my nutrition journey around the world and the study of Hinduism. wisdom. He is a devout Hindu, and Hinduism is about 44,000 years old. And what Dr. Chopra said was this, prana is the vital life force of the universe, and it goes into you and into me with food. And when you cook, your consciousness is infused into the food you eat, and in turn, you ingest the consciousness with which the food is prepared. And he said, therefore, the Bhagavad Gita, which is Hindu scripture, espouses cooking with love. And we suggest you cook with love. And I was speechless. <laughs> right. So we're back to love, Valeria. Yes. How wonderful that is. And now, um, I guess, just understanding what love means. And because uh, I know there are steps, there are ways of knowing if we are having this relationship, love relationship with food. So that's, I guess, my next question. How do we know when we are emotionally, spiritually, socially nourished through our relationship with food? Well, that you just mentioned what I call the four facets of food. And what we discovered is, Larry and I stepped back, I wrote a book called Feeding the Body, Nourishing the Soul, which won the award for being the best spirituality book when it came out. And it was about what Dr. Chopra said about food. The whole book is about food and loving consciousness. And what we, Larry and I did after we stepped back, so I said to him, how am I going to talk about this? There's so much information here. And we distilled all this ancient food wisdom I researched into what I call the four facets of food, the effect food has on physical health, but also on your emotions, spiritual well-being, eating with mindfulness, gratitude, blessing food, and love, and also eating with others in a pleasant atmosphere, biological, psychological, spiritual, and social nutrition. And what I did was write another book about this, and whole person integrative eating is about this, these four facets of food and these seven elements of ancient food wisdom. And the bottom line is what we discovered with more than 5,000 people who participated in our published research. What we discovered is one, seven overeating styles that are all the new normals of what and how we eat nowadays. And what we discovered is the more people in our program over six weeks of our online whole person integrative eating program, the more they replaced our new normal overeating styles with the elements of ancient food wisdom, which is the whole person integrative eating program, the less overeating and the more weight they lost. So to kind of jump ahead to your question, one of the elements is of course to eat with love and regard, which is in every world religion. It's what Dr. Chopra suggested. He said it's in the Bhagavad Gita, it's in every world religion and cultural tradition in different ways. And I describe whole person integrative eating as ancient food wisdom meets modern nutritional science. So I'm going to fast forward, Valeria. Yes. <laughs> An example of modern nutritional science and eating with love. How do you know, you said. Here's one example. So this is not just, isn't this fun and interesting? It's, I've, I've nailed it with science also. A researcher named um, um, Robert Nerum, N-E-R-E-M, oh, about 20, 25 years ago, decided to feed rabbits a very high cholesterol diet, C, 
if they would get heart disease, if they would get clogged up arteries, high fat, high cholesterol diet. And he had put the rabbits in three tiers of cages. And when he went to see if they developed heart disease, calcification, high levels of plaque in their arteries based on this high cholesterol, high fat diet, he discovered that two thirds of the rabbits had heart disease, one third didn't. And he couldn't understand it. And he re- retraced all the steps. And what he discovered is the research assistant would take out the rabbits in the center cages, the middle cages, tier number two, when she fed them and she would hold them. And it was those rabbits who did not develop clogged arteries, even though they were eating a very high fat, high cholesterol diet. And I believe this. And he repeated the study and got the same results. So what I'm saying is this suggests that the consciousness with which you eat, including a loving consciousness, filling yourself with loving regard, and being around people in an environment that is positive and filled with loving regard, affects the way you metabolize food and in turn, whether you get sick or not. That is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it makes makes sense to me. The mystery of life. There's the mystery of life we talked about. And something I say when, you, when I relate food and spirituality, and again, when I've, <laughs> when I've lectured about this uh, with graduate students, I get dead silence, but it's not airy-fairy, it's a fact of life. Uh, animal foods, um, animals that we eat, including dairy foods from animals, milk. Animals depend on the mystery of the elements as do we human beings, such as earth and water and air. And plants depend on the mystery that have life also, depend on the same elements of water and air and earth and light as do we human beings. Here's where the union and spirituality comes into it. If you, if we do not become one with food and it with us, we do not survive. You can't get more spiritual than that. Um, going back to what you said, very interesting. I'm wondering if the state of mind and you know, consciousness can change the way the body metabolizes food. Do you think that even if we are on a um, unhealthy diet, but we have these loving energies and frequencies within our minds, will that change? Um, the results? Well, keep in mind that the title is Whole Person Integrative Eating. It's about the influence of food on physical, emotional, spiritual, and social well-being. So let me address your question with a perspective on what I call psychological nutrition. And may I say there's a new field, very new baby field developing called psychiatric nutrition that psychiatrists now are turning to food to help heal and balance emotions in many patients. So let me tell you a little bit more about that. Again, ancient food wisdom meets modern nutritional science. It's not just about, gee, I'm going to eat with love and regard and everything's fine and I can have my donut. (laughs) Right. I wish it were that simple, but it's not. It's a whole person balancing. If we go back 5,000 years, the original yogis were called rishis, and they used their own mind-body to figure out the optimal way to eat. And what they discovered is that lots of plant-based foods, fruits and veggies and whole grains, we didn't know how to refine Uh, whole grains into white flour, for example. It was a wheat kernel. Fruits, veggies, whole grains, beans and peas, nuts and seeds would keep their mind-body balanced. And because their goal was to meditate. And in the Hindu diet, the yogic diet nowadays, we would now call it lacto-vegetarian. The main staples are fruits, veggies, whole grains, beans and peas, nuts and seeds, with some milk and dairy, which is revered in India. Very different relationship to dairy than we have in the States. But that's a whole other story. My point is, 
if they discovered, these ancient rishis discovered, that if they ate lots of plant-based foods, it would keep them relaxed and calm so they could meditate. If you flash forward, I don't know, 5,000 years now into the 1970s to the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, a researcher named Judith Wortman and her husband, Richard Wortman, in the 1970s, this is in the lifetime of many listeners, they fed a high-carb meal to rats. And I believe the high-carb meal was potatoes. And what they discovered, we didn't know this 50 years ago, what they discovered is when you eat high-carb foods, the, it, it releases about 20 minutes later a natural hormone in your body called serotonin. And serotonin goes to the brain and it calms and relaxes you. And that is why to come into one of the overeating styles we've identified emotional eating, stress eating. I'm sure everyone knows what we're talking about. <laughs> no shock. This is one of the new normal overeating styles, in, particularly in the States. And what we now know is when you're eating those donuts or cookies or cake and the high sugar foods, it's a high carb food. Sugar is high carbohydrate, is mostly and only carbohydrates. And white flour is mostly carbohydrates. It's almost, almost, but not quite like putting sugar in your body, white flour, which is what most of us eat. And the high sugar, high carb foods release serotonin and calms and relaxes you. So when you're anxious and depressed and lonely and angry, these foods work to calm and relax you. But there's the other side of it because they usually don't have too many nutrients in them. I call them food products. It's what most of us have learned to eat over the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. It's normal food to us. I feel nothing but compassion for most people. It's what's normal. And when you're eating a lot of these high-carb foods, processed, denatured, high chemical, I call it chemical cuisine, it works because it calms and relaxes you. But the other side is because they really don't have too many vitamins and minerals and nutrients and phytochemicals and antioxidants and fiber, which is what our mind-body is meant to eat and what we thrived on for thousands. Your body extracts vitamins and minerals from your cells to metabolize these foods that kind of have food products that have no other or very little nutrients. And so you get depleted in certain vitamins and minerals including some of the B vitamins, there are eight of them. And you need the B vitamins to not be anxious, to not be depressed. So this whole cycle that goes on with, you get that serotonin hit, but you also deplete your mind body of vitamins and minerals it needs to stay balanced physically, but also mentally and emotionally to be less depressed and to be less anxious. Wow. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I, I understand what you just uh, described, um, the carbs and the way we eat. Um, and, and that goes back to, um, it makes me think about self-knowledge. Tell me. Because, yeah, we need to, it's self-awareness. The more we know about ourselves, uh, the easier it is in a way. It's not simple, but it's easier to identify what is helping us and what's not, what's beneficial and not beneficial. Um, and that brings me to the question about uh, the self-assessment eating style quiz that you offer. Thank you. Yes, I'd be happy to. When I wrote my second book, which is called The Healing Secrets of Food, and I put all the four facets information into it and these the seven elements of whole person integrated eating into it, but I didn't know that's what I was doing yet. When I did that, I also put together a, an 80 item questionnaire about these seven elements and of whole person integrative eating and also about the overeating styles, but I didn't know the overeating styles existed yet. And so what whole person integrative eating now has is a seven overeating styles quiz. And I'm going to 
and it's all, forgive me <laughs> if you're not science oriented, it's statistically validated, meaning this quiz isn't just a fun little quiz you can take, although it can be that too, but it's also a very dependable measure on whether you overeat and gain weight. And let me tell you a little bit more about its evolution and connection to weight and overeating because it's tied in with spirituality. After I wrote The Healing Secrets of Food, the editor-in-chief of the magazine Spirituality and Health contacted me. And he said, Deborah, you have a program. We'd like to ask, invite you to write about it. And I did. And they featured it on the cover of Spirituality and Health magazine. And the editor-in-chief also said, you know, Deborah, why don't we develop an online program on your whole person integrative eating program? Although at the time I called it the Enlightened Diet. And I wrote a, an 18-lesson e-course on whole person integrative eating. And we, had, we distributed three lessons a week over six weeks. And Larry, co-author of Whole Person Integrated Reading Research Scientist, he said, Deborah, why don't we take your quiz and have people fill out your quiz on all these different ways of eating that we've identified from ancient world religions and wisdom traditions and have people fill it out before they take the Whole Person Integrated Reading course and have them fill it out again, see if anything changed and what and how they eat. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. That's the research scientist thing. <laughs> right. And so what Larry discovered is more than 5,200 people, more than, participated in this online e-course. And what we discovered from that is Larry took out one of the 80 questions. It's now 76 questions, but at that time, 80 questions. Larry took out one question about overeating. I overeat when? and linked it with all these 79 other questions. And what we discovered from that is twofold. One, we identified seven statistically significant new normal overeating styles, such as overeating, food fretting, dieting, and worrying about the best way to eat, and also fast foodism, lots of fast food instead of fresh whole food, and solo dining, for example, eating alone more often than not them with others. So those are some examples. And what we discovered is, one, the seven overeating styles, and we discovered that those who replaced their seven new normal overeating styles with the elements of the ancient food wisdom from whole person integrative eating were the ones who lessened their overeating as a natural side effect, not dieting, and they were the ones who lost weight. And when I turned this into a program and coached people, they kept the weight off because this is a dietary lifestyle based on the ancient meaning of the word diet, which meant way of life during the time of Hippocrates. It's like a lifetime yoga practice. It's a transitioning into a new old ancient way of eating that brings health and healing to body mind and soul, literally. Yeah. So I know you mentioned some of them. And I think I made a comment here, something that I found very interesting was the three phases of sensory spiritual dining, uh, plan, dine and reflect. Can you talk to me about these three phases? I would be happy to. When, <laughs> well, let me clarify. One of the elements of the overeating styles is sensory disregard, sensory disregard, not tasting your food, not taking in the aroma, not uh, looking at the portion size, not looking at the colors, not using your senses to eat. And it, I will give you a little science before I tell you more about the three phases of sensory disregard and its antidote, the, the uh, sensory regard. The sensory disregard over eating styles has the most elements in it of all the seven overeating styles. And this means that actually looking at your food, for example, and smelling it affects the 
again, metabolism of food. Let me give you ancient food wisdom, modern science, and I will, I promise, answer. <laughs> yes, of course. Your, because uh, I'm not just, uh, I, I really have, year for years, have worked on not using the word should around food. I'm not the expert telling you how you should eat. This is a relationship to food that is physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, soul satisfying, and that can heal you. So let me give you an example of that, of the sensory disregard, for example. If we look at how people ate, I was I told you I researched ancient wisdom from Eastern healing systems. One of them was Tibetan medicine. And I was listening to a lecture by a Tibetan medicine doctor and he was talking about the food guidelines and the philosophy of Tibetan medicine nutrition. And there was somebody in the audience who kept asking about, are you saying if food is cooked that it has the right amount of nutrients? And and this person was probably what I call a raw fooder. It espouses a overeating style uh, of, uh, not an overeating style, but an eating style of eating plant-based foods that are not cooked. And after about question number three about this, the Tibetan medicine doctor, I don't remember his name, what he said is in Tibetan medicine, and this applies to Ayurvedic medicine in India and also Chinese medicine, he said, we believe you get complete nutrition by having all six flavors, six tastes in food. And that is, if I can remember them, bitter, sweet, salty, uh, sour, astringent, pungent. That brings your attention to your mouth when you're eating. Look at that different, not carbs, fats, protein. You're, you're relating to food in a very, very different way. Yeah, true. So that's one example. If Again, if you flash forward now to the last five years, research has come out that if you consume food and you, not with olive oil, but if you consume food and you absorb the scent of olive oil, you eat less. And we take that in, just the scent. Um, I can tell you, uh, give you another quick example uh, in terms of eating, eating mindfully, which is one of these spiritual elements, spirituality elements in whole person integrative eating, that when you eat with a consciousness, a meditative consciousness in a calm, relaxed frame of mind, it releases in your saliva, in your mouth, which is where digestion starts. You look at your food and you start producing saliva. There's that mystery, yeah. Yeah. that interconnection and that mystery. When you eat mindfully in a meditative consciousness, not what I call task snacking, one of the overeating styles, doing other driving, working at your computer, watching television, reading... If you're eating mindfully in a calm, present, balanced frame of mind, you produce 22% more of an enzyme in your saliva called alpha amylase, which helps your mind-body break down carbohydrate food, metabolize carbohydrate food. This just keeps happening over and over again, this, this mysterious dance that's in everything. That's an example of the power of sensory regard and tasting your food. Do you want me to talk more now, now that I have glorified <laughs> this? Because I'm not, my intention is not to give dietary rules and regulations, Right. communicate that food is one of life's greatest social, ceremonial, central pleasures. And that eating with that kind of consciousness affects the metabolism of food in your health and turns food and dining into a great pleasure, healing pleasure, not something to fear and count and analyze. So I would be glad to share my opinion about the three phases of the sensory spiritual dining uh, experience. Um, and that is, I mentioned to you that we identified more elements in the spiritual regard, a whole person integrative eating guideline. And I'll be glad to give you examples. And these elements apply to 
your sensory relationship to food before you eat, while you're eating, and after you eat. Okay? So these are, for example, in planning what you're eating and before eating, you're looking at the food and or creating it, cooking with care, gratitude or appreciation. And perhaps remember, some of us for thousands of years used to bless food and you're saying a blessing about your food. So that's before you eat. During eating, you're focusing on your surroundings. What's around you? Are you, are you eating a muffin at a, uh, I don't know, at a gas gas station while you're filling your car up? Or are you in a pleasant environment with people that you like, enjoying the social interaction while you're eating? And that means being aware of your surroundings, the food before you, what are you eating? The color, the aromas, the portion, the flavors, but also eating by savoring and appreciating the presentation and textures and scents the texture of food changes when you're eating inside your mouth. There, we're coming back to the six tastes that I mentioned to you. Is your attention on your computer and driving, or are you focusing on the flavor of the food in your mouth? And then also during dining, appreciating the web of humanity that I mentioned to you, uh, the elements that we human beings, plant-based food, and animal foods depend on. Are you appreciating those elements in the mystery of life? And are you appreciating nature that created that food for us to eat and thrive on and the mystery of life? And are you filling yourself with the loving regard that Dr. Chopra mentioned when you're eating? And then after, are you reflecting on the meal and savoring the moment and enjoying the moment of having eaten? Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah. It sounds very much like a ritual, a spiritual ritual. Well, it can be. It can be. Yeah. And then also the meditative state, mindfulness. Uh, Yeah, there's a difference. Can you explain the difference between mindfulness and meditation, Deborah, please? Oh, my. Well, mindfulness is in the culture. It's all over now. It's in everything. And I bring that up because I am laughing because I'm I'm a professional writer. And when I started writing professionally for a medical slash health publishing firm, for months, my editor, the margin would write, so what? And it took me a few months to get better. So, so that stopped. So I bring up the so what thing because there's lots in the culture about mindfulness and mindfulness eating. And let me give you an example of a so what. To backtrack, though, give you context, the three elements, ingredients of spiritual nutrition in the context of whole person integrative eating based on ancient food wisdom is to eat with mindfulness, to bring moment to moment, non-judgmentalness to each aspect of the meal, is to eat with gratitude and appreciation from the heart and to eat with loving regard, okay? So there's context for it. It's not, gee, just eat mindfully. Mindfulness is, John Kabat-Zinn really brought, uh, who's a PhD, and he developed the mindfulness-based meditation program at, I think it was at the time, Beth Israel Medical Center in Massachusetts. and He has done lots of research on this and really did a lot to bring mindfulness and mindfulness eating into the culture. And I think he would describe mindfulness as simply being aware, being aware of the moment. And the other part of that is being aware of being aware. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Because therein lies the mystery of life. Deepak Chopra may describe this as being aware of being aware of the moment between each thought, of being aware of being aware of the moment between each breath. Wow. Okay, this is not my original thinking. It's what I've learned and studied for the years. So mindfulness, being aware of being aware, 
means being in the present moment, being in the present moment, not looking at food. Oh, too many carbs. I don't eat carbs. Oh, I was bad today. I was good today. You're simply, you're not angry, depressed, reaching for the donut because you're, you need that serotonin hit. You're simply in the moment and being aware of being aware. That's how John Kabat-Zinn and other masters, not I, would describe, I believe, mindfulness. When you get better and better at meditation, which is a, a technique to be in that in the moment of being aware of being aware and filling yourself with loving regard and appreciate gratitude, 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 mystery of life and the food before you. Uh, oh, I have a deadline. Where's that cookie? Being aware of being aware in the moment, you're in, as you get better and better at meditation, you're in that moment with awareness more and more and more and more. That's what my understanding is of bringing a meditative consciousness to food and eating. I just mentioned to you, uh, for example, about the D-alpha amylase. That was research by Donald Morris, a physician who did research with meditating students, meaning asking them to meditate for 10 minutes before eating. And he had the same students do mental arithmetic for 10 minutes before eating. And it was the students who meditated, when they meditated before eating, who produced D-alpha amylase, who helps you break down the carbohydrates in, in food that I mentioned. But here's another example for you. I mentioned Dean Ornish, and who a physician who showed you can actually reverse heart disease through lifestyle changes alone of a no-fat added plant-based diet and physical activity, and social support, and stress management. In Dr. Ornish's case, it was yoga and meditation. And for heart patients to get these benefits, they were doing one to two hours of yoga meditation a day. Wow. Okay? Yeah. So it's not just, oh, thank you, this food's good, and eat. Okay. Right. So I bring this up, one, because Larry, co-author of Whole Person Integrated Eating, Larry was the director of research with Dean for almost 20 years on this disease reversal research. I was the nutritionist, Valeria, at Dean Ornish's first clinical trial for reversing heart disease. And Larry and I replicated this in Europe in cardiovascular clinics for two years. So I know a lot about this lifestyle and meditation. Having said that, when I'm bringing all this up, because when Dr. Ornish looked at the data, and looked at his heart disease reversal program, and he looked more closely at the meditation. What he discovered is those who meditated the most lost the most weight on the program, heart disease reversal program, and those who consumed the least added dietary fat, like liquid oil or butter, and meditated the most, lost the most weight. So again, as with everything I'm telling you about the ancient food wisdom, modern nutritional science, there is a huge interrelated mysterious web of life in the whole process of food and eating, as there is with the consciousness and awareness that we bring to food and eating. It has a profound effect on the way in which food is metabolized and ultimately our health. It's incredible how everything's connected, and that's why you use the word whole. Yes. So wholeness, integrative, right? Reconnecting, right? And the, going back to the mindfulness meditation question, so basically meditation is a method to achieve a state of mindfulness. Would that be correct, Deborah? To achieve a state of, I, I am not a master. <laughs> and Deepak Chopra and Gandhi, I answer more intelligently. So I'm offering my opinion. Medi there are, first of all, I should tell you, um, you may find it illuminating. Uh, Co author and husband uh, Larry Sherwitz is a certified yoga teacher. He's been doing yoga for decades and meditation for decades. I turned Larry on to yoga but I stayed with what I call baby yoga. There's no world of baby yoga out there. It's my own term. Right. 
So having said that, what I know is there are dozens, maybe hundreds of different types of meditation. There are many techniques within each school of meditation, such as uh, yogic breathing techniques, that kind of thing. So it's not just, gee, I'm going to meditate and get thoughts out of my mind. It's and I'm going to be fine. It's a lifetime practice as is yoga, as is whole person integrative eating, dietary lifestyle. Meditation is, how would I describe it? It depends on what kind of meditation you're attracted to and that you resonate with. But I think in my personal opinion, again, I am not Gandhi and Deepak Chopra, but in my personal opinion, the goal of meditation is to Keep yourself balanced, keep yourself in the moment, and keep yourself connected and aware of the mystery of life that is between each breath, between each thought. And to do this with a consciousness, an ongoing 24-7 consciousness of gratitude. Gratitude of gratitude of gratitude, which is very similar to loving regard, because it is my understanding that living in a meditative consciousness of gratitude is what connects us to the mystery of life, race, and the divine. The optimal metabolism of food. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I love the way you repeat the word gratitude. When you say it, you say, you say it three times. <laughs> it's the essence of, uh, I, I have learned, I have studied, uh, again, it, this is not my original wisdom. It's my understanding that gratitude is perhaps the key connection, way to make connection uh, to the divine and the mystery of life and grace. And one of the guidelines, again, in nutrition is to be aware of food and its origins. And this is pivotal from the heart from the heart, not just in your saying a blessing. Right. It's the, yeah, the understanding, my appreciation with understanding, which um, I kind of, I connect understanding with wisdom for some reason. Like when you, you talk about gratitude, I know you're saying that because you have experienced that, the effects of that state of mind. And with that knowledge, uh, experiential knowledge, you can speak from a place of wisdom. That's knowing. And you don't have to be Gandhi or uh, Deepak <laughs> Chopra. <laughs> if you have those experiences, you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, I have three more questions. We are at the end of the interview, but one was about the solo dining. A lot of people live alone how would they, um, can they still create this uh, environment of healthy environment around food, those rituals that we talked about without other people around them? Wonderful question. We, we evolved as tribes in tribes eating around a fire. Um, and when I ask people to share a memorable meal, they often share some wonderful restaurant or meal at someone's home and they're with other people that they whom they like and they're enjoying the food with others it's how we evolved and more and more most of us are eating alone for many many reasons so my suggestion is one consider once a week connecting with somebody um, I one woman I coached who kept the weight off, replaced her overeating styles with whole person integrative eating. She decided she worked at home and she started again slowly. It wasn't this should thing and a goal to reach. She once started to meet with a good friend once or twice a week outside of her home. Two, if you're working at home, which so many of us do, um, my suggestion is. Consider for five or 10 minutes connecting to someone on Skype and <laughs> just for a few minutes. Yeah. Another option, if you have a pet in the house, eat when your, your dog or cat is eating. But here's the other key thing. When you're eating, pause 
with each bite, with each bite, doesn't have to be for 10, 15, 20 minutes, or it could be if you choose to, with each bite, fill your thoughts up with some wonderful, memorable dining experience that included other people and reflect on it. Uh, that sounds really great. All of them, all these suggestions. Thank you. I hope they're useful. Yeah, very much. Right. Um, uh, staying with the uh, topic, the seven root causes of overeating, task snacking. Yeah, like doing something, working and eating at the same time. Does it apply to watching TV when we are eating and then we are watching a movie or? Yeah, it does. But here's the but. Uh, most of us do that. It's are you watching TV and eating when you're having a bit when you're binging out? when you are sitting after a stressful day eating, I don't know, two bags of potato chips and uh, a pint of ice cream, or are you watching TV enjoying some fresh food in front of you? Uh, so that's question number one. Question number two in terms of task snacking, doing other things while you're eating, if you're watching TV, again, this is not rigid rules of good and bad, right or wrong. I even write about the concept of in behavioral medicine, it's called relaxed restraint. So sometimes have that ice cream, you know, this is not a rigid diet. So apply this to task snacking also. If you're watching TV, enjoying some kind of, you're on Netflix, whatever you're doing, my suggestion is when you take a bite of your food, just for that one minute, close your eyes and focus on that one bite of food for 30 seconds or one minute. And then go back to your Netflix or TV show. <laughs> that sounds good. It's the compromising, <laughs> mindfulness compromising. <laughs> that's, that's cute. My other comment here related to the subject was the, uh, the WPIE guided meal meditation. That is so interesting. So I know you have available the audio that we can download and listen to it before we eat. Is that how we, it works before or can we do during, after? Well, it would be before to bring your consciousness into whole person integrative eating. Or you could do it during, but my suggestion is to listen to it before because whole person integrated it, the WPIE, Guided Meal Meditation, includes all seven elements of whole person integrative eating, and which is how you're going to get the benefits and shift over time your relationship to food eating and ultimately your weight and how you metabolize food. So my suggestion is for listeners, I have a website, Integrative eating.com and on the website I have a blog in the menu bar and please under search uh, write in WPIE guided meal meditation and it gives you the step-by-step -step written directions and then at the end a actual audio and you can listen to it from the blog or you can download it and listen to it as often as you like. But it's a tool to really integrate all seven elements of whole person integrated eating into your dietary lifestyle. That's the subtitle of Breakthrough Dietary Lifestyle to treat the root causes of overeating, overweight, and obesity, to do it as often as possible until whole person integrated eating becomes more and more normal for you. Well, intuitive eating, as you sound like you know, is uh, a, a way of eating uh, that has been developed by, I believe, two dietitians, and it's a way for it's a way of eating relating to food and eating with more awareness of what you're eating, what you want to eat, how much you're eating, and it, it's a different program with different techniques and is not directly related with whole person integrative eating, although it does make you more mindful. It's, it's a program that helps you be more mindful of what you're eating and how you're eating and what you want to eat. Well, you've been wonderfully thorough and, and I appreciate your awareness so much. Um, I think the key, con a key concept is for that I would appreciate listeners uh, 
being aware of. What, because when we think of diet, it's always nutrition diet, regimented, rigid way of eating. I'd appreciate listeners thinking of whole person integrative eating in terms of ancient food wisdom, verified and validated by modern nutritional science, because it is based on ancient food wisdom, which is where humankind turned for thousands of years for guidelines on what to have to eat prior to Western nutritional science. The second key concept I'd appreciate communicating is that it is a dietary lifestyle based on the original ancient meaning of the word diet during the time of Hippocrates, often called the father of Western medicine, who lived 2,500 years ago. And during his time, the word diet meant way of life. And over the centuries, it traveled through Europe until it came to mean a regimented, restricted way of eating. So whole person integrative eating is based on the ancient meaning of the word diet as a way of life. And finally, that whole person integrative eating is not a diet in the sense that we relate to dieting now. Yeah, thank you. I love that. I will have the link under your uh, podcast profile as well. So before we end the interview, I have a few general questions. The first one is, how do you define success? What is to be successful in your opinion? In my personal opinion, because <laughs> yeah. not done, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> or Oprah, or Oprah. <laughs> right. Success to me means being connected to the meaning of life, which I believe is living with a consciousness of love and regard for yourself and others and to whatever that mystery of life is that Albert Einstein refers to, that you either perceive life as a mis- everything is a mystery or nothing is a mystery. So to me, success would be relating to life as a mystery based on love and filling yourself and your relationships with love and love and regard. How beautiful. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? That I, um, hardest lesson, that I am an authentic, kind, loving person, and that all this other stuff that I had to work through over the decades wasn't who I was. Mm. Wow. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? I believe in self-love, period, without all the psychobabble. Right. Um, Yeah. Valeria, to me, that means just, not just, (laughs) just uh, simply being being in a place of love, period. End of story. Right. We don't have to add the unconditional, conditional. Right. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change about your life? Do anything differently? No. Hmm. That was a quick answer. That's (laughs) wonderful. (laughs) Do you believe in life after death? Uh, Do I believe in life after death? Uh, Yes, I believe that my belief system, what feels right, and that's a whole other story because Larry, co-author and husband, uh, he has done past life regressions with hypnosis and past lives came out during these past life regressions uh, connected with me. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Um, so I believe, yes, that we are, our lives, the mystery of it, uh, our lives have a lot to do with learning what we need to learn. End of story. What are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things about life I know for sure. Yeah. One, that I don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I intuit everything about life, but there are no words for it. And three, I believe the essence of life 
and what keeps us alive and what the creator and maker of life has gifted us with. The core gift is the emotion and the experience of love. Yeah. Wow. It has been a meaningful, insightful conversation. Thank you so much for your presence, Deborah. My utter pleasure. Really enjoy it, Valeria. Yeah, thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I think on my new website, integrativeeating.com. And please read uh, the blogs that I have written, the articles I've written. Also, I write for I'm a VIP contributor at Thrive Global, Arianna Huffington's website, thriveglobal.com. So there's a lot there also that you could find out about. And number three, um, also, this is so new to me, I'm not used to talking about it. <laughs> Just last month, there is now a whole person integrative eating certification program for certified health professionals, such as dietitians and nurses and physicians. Uh, and I have teamed up with the American Academy of Sports Dietitians and Nutritionists, AASDN, to create this 20-module certification course for health professionals on whole person integrative eating. And the training category on integrativeeating.com can give you more information. Or you can go to wpie.org to find out more directly and register and enroll directly. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Deborah. And I'll talk to you soon. My utter pleasure. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Deborah Keston, please visit her website, integrativeeating.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.